Oncology Systems Limited are the leading provider of radiotherapy ancillary equipment in the UK and Ireland. Serving the community for over 22 years, we pride ourselves on exceptional service and quality products. Please take a moment to visit our website www.osl.uk.com and take a look at our product lines, which include macromedics for patient immobilisation and IB dosimetry for all your radiotherapy quality assurance needs. We are more than happy to take your questions, so please do get in touch via our website or email inquiry at osl.uk.com and one of our specialist team will be available to assist you. Hello everyone and welcome to Rapture. We are at UKIO Liverpool. My name is Naven Joe Cranston and I'm joined by my co-host Joe McNamara. Hi everyone. So we've got another wonderful guest here. Would you like to introduce yourself please? I will, thank you very much. So my name is Fodi Kyriakos and I'm a consultant advisor for InHealth. I'll quickly dispel my first uh, moment. So uh, in the profession, um, people that know me as uh, Fodi, I will still always answer to Fodi. I may not even correct you, <laughs> but uh, just to put the record straight on a rad chat, it's Fodi. <laughs> imagine that it's one of those polite conversations where you're like yeah it's fine but deep down you're like you've not pronounced my name correctly no well yeah i passed i passed actually being upset with my parents right <laughs> The, yeah, the, there used to be that moment. I'm like, why couldn't you just call me Steve? Yeah. Steve would have been fine. I would have got through school a lot easier. Instead, I was like, Fody, Fido, and then I just well, I thought I'd got rid of ev all of the uh, all of the sort of different names. Lord of the Rings come along, and then Frodo come along, and that was it. I was Frodo for a few years in the early 2000s. Anyway, it does. It means the light, Fodios. So it's the one thing the Greeks uh, are very good at is trying to associate names with, uh, with meanings. So yeah, so actually when I say that, it does have a little ring to it, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of kind of your role, what mm -hmm. do you do? Okay, so at the moment I'm advising for in-health group, on, particularly on the reporting side. I have number a number of years working pretty much ex exclusively radiographers, so just to sort of brief on that in 2003 I helped start an organization called RIG Radiography so a radiography agency that worked with diagnostic and therapeutic radiographers so early on in the process I, I specializing on a workforce perspective purely with radiographers got me an opportunity to be quite um, tunnel sort of pigeonholed into one profession um, first so that was 2003 the first few years I kind of sat on the periphery with it uh, locum radiographers uh, putting them into positions actually really enjoying it uh, as my manager at the time said you found your spiritual home you enjoy what you do and uh, it started to show through but uh, probably around 2006 uh, I can't remember what the exact reason was but essentially I came sort of back one day and uh, I thought, do you know what, I really enjoy radiography. I'm not a radiographer. And, and, and that had this sort of resounding thing that's carried on throughout my career. I am not a radiographer. Uh, but uh, You do talk like you're a radiographer though. I've had, I've had conversations with you and I honestly thought your background was as a radiographer. So your knowledge of the profession is amazing. Uh, and I think that was that moment where I went, right, okay. I can either continue to always work in recruitment, so if I ever left here, I could do IT, I could do finance, I could do this, or I can choose to go, right, if I want to be the best at what I do, yeah. I, will, I should come into the profession 
work with the profession day in, day out, go to the department, speak to the radiographers, speak to the managers, be naturally curious as to what they do and find out a bit more. And that's where it really started to take off. So about 2006, and then in 2012, one manager that I worked very closely with asked me, do we do any reporting radiographers uh, in terms of recruitment? And I said, no, but if you want, we can have a, a conversation. I can look and have a discussion, tell me exactly what your needs were. And so rig reporting was born. So I, was, uh, I set up the, the UK's first radiographer-led reporting service. No one else had ever done this before. No one else was ever brave enough. But I uh, decided... Actually, you know, there's enough reason and rationale and there's a demand there and there's not enough people telling me why I shouldn't be doing this. It paid off, didn't it? It did. <laughs> it, very, it, it did because in, in 2006, we launched it. It was very successful in 2016. InHealth acquired the service. So we became InHealth Reporting and that's been where I've been at uh, for the last uh, six years. So that's it. And it's... It's amazing just to see where it's gone now as, as an organisation. We now do teleradiology. Uh, we are a massive voice for radiographer reporting outside of their home trusts. Uh, we are friends with the profession. We do a lot of sponsorships, a lot of education work. Uh, and I think that's been part of our success story, is it's not just let's do, you know, what clinical needs do you have? It's like, okay, what clinical needs do you have and how can we support you whilst we're there? So we really do intrinsically work with the... Uh, departments. So that's been my background and uh, there's been some sort of changes obviously recently as, I, as I've mentioned to you before. What is in-health? So just for anyone who's listening who maybe hasn't got insight into that, is it around recruiting and putting people into positions or is it the local business? Well in-health reporting, which was a particular service I've worked for, we, that's specifically uh, taking the reporting aspects of trust demands so when the images are are done particularly in areas like plain film yeah. we uh, we helped backlogs so we work with trust we under try to understand how uh, how the backlogs came about and how we could potentially work with them to to try and develop a system so we're not we're not just feeding them always reporting but actually we can get them to a, right. a place where they're at zero and but they've now got a plan to try and maintain as, as, as less outsourcing. You know, that might not sound commercially savvy, you know, we're putting ourselves out of work, but actually for every trust that we supported like that, someone else would get to find out about it. Uh, and then um, we moved obviously in health reporting into uh, the, the wider group with teleradiology. So in health as an organization are the UK's largest mobile uh, imaging service for uh, MRIs and CTs. So, uh, and, and that, that's just part of a big wide spectrum of their diagnostic services, what they do. You've talked to us a bit about your heritage. You can go into that a bit more. Yes, so in December, I moved into a, uh, I, I decided to make a, a life change. So one of the things, although I was really, uh, and I always have enjoyed, love what I do, I think I was getting to the stage where I'm thinking, right, I've got three daughters, I've got a family, uh, that uh, they're not getting any younger, and we decided in December to make a, a big life change and move back to Cyprus. So what I did is I, I resigned from my head of reporting position and to get into my current role, which is a, as a consultant advisor for the group. But yeah, I, I now do that from Cyprus. How do you find radiography in Cyprus? I'm really, really impressed. 
uh, there is one glaringly uh, big gap uh, in, in Cyprus, which is regulation. Uh, they're not, uh, it's not as uh, well regulated and, and therefore continued professional development. Even if there is a, um, a desire for some people to do it, there's not a reason for them to do it from a regulatory perspective. Uh, in terms of imaging centres, in terms of health, uh, the health sector, I'm extremely, extremely impressed. And I've had a personal experience through it as well. Um, so... Uh, in March, uh, having only been there barely two months, uh, following a routine check, I was um, they did a needle biopsy on my ultra, uh, on, sorry, on my thyroid, and they found a papillary carcinoma, and um, so that was that was really um, hard hitting because after working in the profession for so long and trying to help people to diagnose cancers early I'm sitting on the other end and hearing the words it's a cancer and and first half hour when I found out I um, I broke down because it was oh and it wasn't so much about me it was about God what am I going to tell my kids what am I going to tell my wife so it was really it was really difficult that first half hour when I found out no. You actually read. Do you mind kind of explaining how you were told? Because I think that in itself was quite a, a shock in the way that you were informed. And you, uh, that would never happen in that case. It's interesting from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, it, crazy really to sort of almost say it, but it came in an email in block capital letters it's a cancer. And I read it, and almost like my whole world falling apart. It was really, really um, difficult. And at the time I had my daughter, because I'd got somewhere early and I thought, I'll sit down, I'll pick up an email. And I had my, one of my daughters sitting next to me and I, I couldn't mention it to her. I, you know, I had a lump in my throat and really, really difficult. Sorry, I'm just getting a little bit emotional now. Um, but do you know what? I dusted myself off. I thought about, right, okay, if I'm gonna tell my daughters and I'm gonna tell my wife what's happened, I need to find out what's gone on. So I, um, <laughs> I know a few people in the profession. <laughs> um, I first called the radiologist who sent me the details. Um, I wanted to say to her, one of did you send me an email saying it's a cancer on it? Uh, but uh, by the same token, they have a very preventative health uh, outlook on, on health um, over in Cyprus. And, and they deal with things aggressively as opposed to reactively. And, and I was... Um, so in the other hand, I was thinking, I'm just grateful they found it. So I spoke to her, she said, look, it, I don't think it's very far, um, it's, it's just not far gone, you know, we can, it's very treatable, papillary carcinomas are the most common, and you know, providing you haven't had anything go to the lymph nodes, which uh, we don't think from the, uh, from the histopathology, um, histology results, sorry, uh, the biopsy, that um, we think you know this should be fine with surgery and, and so on but I ha yeah so I had the surgery and the great news is even though they took out 30 lymph nodes during the uh, surgery all of them were negative so that from that point onwards the prognosis was good and all, the, all of my friends in the profession that said to me look Foddy if you're going to get cancer this is the one to get and uh, you know sometimes you need to hear it cold like that because that's when you know you really uh, kind of go right 
you know what, dust yourself off, pick yourself up, deal with it, speak to your family and get through it. And, and that's what we did. And I finished my radio iodine medication on the uh, 1st of June. So, and I'm touch wood, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> things, are, things are going really, really well. Thank you for sharing. It's quite obviously, an emotive story for you. Have a mood back and then it happens. It's quite a lot. Um, I think lots of patients, will, if they're listening, obviously will echo similar kind of things. Maybe not the email. That's, that's something always, yeah. That's, that's quite shocking to hear, obviously. But unfortunately, I think interpersonal skills is not always a cause set for everyone. But I think it sounds like you handled it pretty well. Yeah, I think that actually working in the profession really helped. Really, really helped in understanding. Right, okay, I need to, I need to understand what this means. You mentioned your family. Yep. Obviously, a huge part of your life. How did they take it? Because I always think that bystander element is quite, you know, the fact you said I was quite nervous about telling my family. How did they react to the fact that you had cancer? How long you got? <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what? Um, I told Maria, I told my wife that, that day. Um, the irony was, uh, and it was almost like guardian angels. My brother-in-law, her her brother, who they're like, you know, really close with, and, and my sis, uh, my sister-in-law were there. They'd just flown over that day, and they, it was like they were there to. to it was just really, I, I can't even explain it. So, so surreal. Uh, well, we'd, Maria had lost, uh, had a had a, re, um, we had the bereavement of her mum to colon cancer four years before she died within eight weeks. Cancer's very, very, um, it's very sore very and very raw subject in our, in our house still. You know, she lived with us. You know what the, you know what the Greeks and, and the Cypriots are like. You know, we, we take on the grandparents and the grand, you know, great-grandparents and what have you. We've got, you know, we have four or five generations in our house. Uh, so yeah, we, we all lived together. So it was quite difficult for the family uh, dealing with that. So when I told her, she went quiet. She, she, we looked at each other, we both had a little cry, but I said to her, look Maria, this is, this is not like your mum. This is very, very treatable. We can, you know, I'm gonna get through this, we're gonna get through this. And we decided with the girls, because I've got two older girls, 14 and 12, and, and, and a younger one, eight, that we would not tell them straight away. We'd try and understand a bit more, because it was still on the day. Uh, we met the, the surgeon, we found out a bit more about it and what I decided to do at the time was tell my eldest daughter, uh, tell all the daughters, Baba's they call me, <laughs> Baba's going to go and have a, uh, some surgery and it's just because they, they don't like the look of something and that was the common terminology I used throughout until the surgery had happened and I used it the same because obviously the, the thing was we moved to Cyprus, I had so much family here and the moment I tell them, they would be in this helpless, oh, we can't do nothing. So I just, I used the same sort of terminology, but they weren't silly, they knew that things were happening. My mum, bless her, she's now come to stay with us for three months, um, has, yeah, she, she knew something was up. She's not silly, it's mother's instincts, isn't it? Always. Yeah, and um, we, yeah. Cut a very long story short, we had the surgery, we got the confirmation after when they actually brought, you know, did the second biopsy that it was malignant, you know, because I was in the 75 to 99% category, which makes that whole email completely yeah. even yeah. more bizarre because it, there was a 25% chance, percent chance, 4% chance it may not have been. Yeah. 
But anyway, it was confirmed that it was malignant. And then it was that point that I told my eldest two daughters. Yeah. And, and I told, I told Mihaela, my youngest, that Baba wasn't well but he's, uh, before, but he's better now. Yeah, I mean, uh, interestingly, having got to, to meet you again uh, yeah, over the last few days and everything, I think we recognise in a, a sense of humour. Uh, <laughs> sort of, we, we, we've got... Um, uh, I had this feeling, and, and uh, you know that national lottery? So that, it could be you, <laughs> right? <coughs> I, in, in amongst trying to make myself, you know, look at this in as light-hearted way as possible... I had that over me. That was it. It could be you, and it was me. It was me this time. Um, but luckily enough for me, I was in a position where we could deal with it. So, but yeah, uh, but but Cyprus has got many many opportunities in terms of how we can work collaboratively. And so coming out to Cyprus and, and being out there has made me also look at there's an you know there really is an opportunity for the health systems, particularly for the workforce perspective work really really closely. Do they have the same workforce issues that we have in the UK? I think potentially in some areas yes but ironically in radiography no uh, and, and by that what I mean is they, they have a degree course over there that's oversubscribed. Now I mean how on earth has that been kept secret? How has that been allowed to just happen? You know if there are 40 or 50 radiographers a year going through the course and 20, 25 of them are getting work and it was happening to the other. You know, some may be, and, and I'm aware of some that have come ab uh, abroad, but they had to m match their own um, spec with the HCPC and some of them said it was the hardest thing they had to do. So, uh, ironic, the irony of coming today back to the UK, having lots of conversations with people, you, Joe, about your work with the, the therapy side, but also with the Society and College of Radiographers, there's some real appetite to do something and I would really so my next project I would really like to be able to to work on that so watch <laughs> watch your space on that well, thank you so much hopefully they're all listening I <laughs> hope so <laughs> thank you so much again and for sharing your experiences and yeah watch this space thank you <laughs>